0: The world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. With global cancer rates projected to grow significantly, and according to the World Health Organization, most rapidly in countries with low education, standards of living, and financial wealth, the development of cancer treatments, which can make the greatest impact globally, are top of mind. Dr. Robert Ladner is the founder and CEO of CV6 Therapeutics in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Well, Dr. Ladner, welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you very much, Moira. Thank you for having having me back.
0: We have a story here that we have to tell in several different parts and then bring it all together. Uh, First of all, CV6 Therapeutics is a company based in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and yet listeners can tell from your voice that you're an American. How did an American end up in Belfast running a biotech company?
1: Yeah, very interesting story. I never expected to live in Northern Ireland. Uh, I grew up in Southern New Jersey. I went to St. Joe's in Philadelphia, uh, then to Rutgers University, and then I was recruited out to the University of Southern California uh, because of my research interests in cancer therapeutics. Uh, And after discovering some really interesting biology and an opportunity to build a new cancer drug, one of my close colleagues and friends, uh, Patrick Johnston, who was the vice chancellor of Queen's University. uh, We raised some seed money to start this company. uh, And uh, the University of Southern California at that time wasn't really the right place to do it, but it turned out that Northern Ireland and a very entrepreneurial Queen's University in Belfast. So
0: you picked up and went.
1: So I was living in uh, Santa Monica Beach uh, at the border of santa monica and venice commuting every day down to the university of southern california and i will remember the day that i told my research team that this is an option for us what do you think and so the entire research group and i moved from the beaches of santa monica to belfast and uh it's been a great story, but I'll tell you, when you're in Belfast and you talk to a, a cab driver about moving from Santa Monica Beach to Belfast, they always look at you and say, now, why would you want to go and do that? <laughs> and, and, uh, and I guess we'll get to some of the the pros of, of living and working in Northern Ireland and Belfast and at Queen's University.
0: Well, it must have been because you've been there a while. When did you actually go?
1: Uh, it's been about eight years so far. Uh, so uh, it's it's been a while. Of course, I did some trial runs in the very beginning, so I've been back and forth for at least nine years.
0: Amazing. Well, this is great. So an American in America and Belfast, and here we are. Uh, now, another aspect which is a little different about this interview is that we usually talk about getting drugs through the FDA. But Northern Ireland is a part of the UK. What regulatory agency do you go through? and is it all that different from our Phase one, two, three?
1: Yeah, so it's a good point. So it is not the FDA. And in the United Kingdom, it's the MHRA, a very similar regulatory body to the FDA. Um, But the process of drug development through, as you say, phase one, two, three, et cetera, is the same. Uh, And the MHRA and the FDA are in constant communication with each other, so they're very much in sync in terms of how they run uh, the regulations.
0: Now, let's get down to the area you are working in, and that's cancer. Now, cancer affects people all over the world, and cancer doesn't care if you have no money or a lot of money. Cancer is just there with all humans.
1: Yeah, no, indeed. It is agnostic. Um, and sometimes you think, I've lived my life perfectly, and I've done nothing wrong, and you still get it, right? Uh, and the problem that we face uh, globally is that the cancer rates are increasing. And so at least 30% increase in the next 15 to 20 years. And so uh, it's becoming more important now than ever to get options for cancer patients uh, that truly have global impact. Yeah, and so what I mean by uh, global impact is, uh, you know, we need not only precision medicines, targeted therapies uh, that are treating small patient populations very effectively but we also need to look at drugs that impact much broader populations and indeed generics that have really strong utility in in different countries that might not have the, the resources to, to go and use very expensive uh, new drugs that are being uh, approved. Uh, and with the increase in cancer incidence, I think this is a topic that's going to become more and more prevalent. <laughs>
0: Now, one chemotherapy that has been used in many cancers for many years, uh, and it's so many years, it's a generic, and it's completely off patent, but it's still being produced and used. In fact, you would recognize a number of the pharmaceutical companies around the world that produce it, and that would include, by way of example, GlaxoSmithKline. Um, and you listeners may have heard of it. It's called, is it 5-fluorouracil? How did I do? Or 5 FU?
1: Uh, Yes, you did perfectly. It's 5-fluorouracil. We all call it in the business 5-FU. And 5-FU is a drug that was developed over 65 years ago uh, by a gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. Charles Heidelberger. Uh, And indeed, the clinical development of 5-FU occurred at the University of Southern California. And when I moved from Rutgers University to USC, I Actually, my laboratory was Charlie Heidelberger's old laboratory. And so we sort of kept the torch going in this field. Uh, And so there was a lot of history there surrounding this and a lot of expertise.
0: So with this 5-FU now being generic, like all drugs, you go to the pharmacy and they say, do you want the generic or the brand name? And you say... Well, you say one or the other, (laughs) but the generics are always more affordable. Is that the case of 5-FU around the world?
1: Absolutely. It it is one of the more affordable drugs uh, used to treat cancer, and indeed, it remains one of the most effective drugs. Uh, We wrote a review article a a few years back uh, that was reflecting on uh, standing the test of time, where 5-FU is used in 13 of the top 20 highest instance diseases to treat them. And so despite being 65 years old, it still remains the mainstay, a cornerstone therapy uh, for the treatment of cancer. For example, colorectal cancer, where 5-FU dominates and is one of the most effective drugs in that cancer type.
0: Now, what is CV6 doing here?
1: So CV6 Therapeutics, What we've done is study how 5-FU works and why it fails in patients. And so what we discovered was an alternative pathway that utilizes the benefits of 5-FU, but by targeting another enzyme in the same pathway, we alter the mechanism of action into a new one. Uh, And in this case, we incorporate uracil into DNA. And what that means is, we put a foreign base something that shouldn't be into dna in replicating dna in tumor in tumors uh, and this leads to greater cancer cell dna damage uh, and indeed uh, a unique species of dna uh, that we believe may induce the innate immune system so in addition to augmenting what 5fu already does uh, this new mechanism builds on that uh, and indeed uh, triggers the innate immune system. And what that means is that it alerts the immune system of the cancer that it's there, uh, and hopefully we will be recruiting the immune system alongside to help fight the cancer.
0: The 5-FU chemotherapy, is that the standard where they infuse into your arm and uh, and you go in periodically and get more? Is that how that works?
1: Yes, that's exactly how that works, uh, most of the regimens, and there are many different versions of this, uh, are infusional, where you'll you'll get uh, a small pump and it'll infuse 5-FU for just two days, 46 hours. And then you remove the pump and then you repeat that every two weeks uh, for many of the regimens, like I was saying, uh, in colorectal cancer, for example. But it's uh, generally a very well-tolerated therapy as, as chemotherapies go.
0: Now the compound you're developing, uh, is that also an infusion therapy?
1: No. The compound we've developed, we call it CV6168. Uh, It has been manufactured in pill form. And so alongside of infusional 5-FU, you'll be receiving uh, these pills for three days in the beginning of the infusion. And then you break for another 11 days and then you start the cycle again so it's relatively easy to take alongside of the infusion
0: so let's break down some of this you're not allowed actually to name any of your compounds uh, until the very end like the, it looks like they're gonna get approved then you can start putting names on them and so what you have is usually a few letters from the company name fortunately you only you only need cb6 so that's good and this is cb6 168. So is that the 168th compound in your library?
1: Yes, that's exactly how the name came about. It was the 168th compound. uh, And we built more than 600 compounds, but it ended up that the 168 was the winner, uh, what we call our clinical candidate that will be moving forward with into the clinic.
0: So what we're looking at here is the standard infusion technique, unfortunately, over a number of hours, but you're not adding to the to the pain of getting the medicine, if you will. It's simply you take a a pill a day while that that infusion therapy is going on.
1: Yeah, you'll you'll take CV6168. Now, we're just starting our phase one clinical trials, so we're not exactly sure how it will be administered in terms of how many, but initially we'll be giving it three times a day for three days, uh, and then the infusion will be given at the same time, and then you break... And you do that in 14-day cycles.
0: Now, you are in the UK and you're in Northern Ireland. Where are you doing these phase one studies?
1: So we'll be initiating the phase one clinical trial for CV6168 in Belfast um, uh, through Queens University and the city hospital here. Uh, But then we'll incorporate other sites in the Experimental Cancer Medicine Centers network throughout the UK, and that will include sites in Glasgow, uh, Newcastle, and in London at the Royal Marsden.
0: And what are you trying to do with phase one?
1: So all phase one trials are built to assess initially safety, number one, and then number two is going to be understanding what is the recommended dose that we'll be moving forward with. So safety, recommended dose, it's not built to really assess efficacy at that point, Uh, but all phase one trials, uh, we're all looking for some hint of efficacy initially. And then once we hit a recommended dose, then we'll expand into a phase one B or a phase two A, and then look for hints of efficacy in different tumor types. We have sixty-five years of clinical experience with five FU, uh, and so we know exactly where it works and where it doesn't work, and when it stops working, uh, exactly what type of response rates you can expect. And we'll be comparing our clinical data to that historical information to assess how uh, how much better we're inducing. Um, the response to the cancer. And now I'm
0: assuming you're going to go into a phase 1B. I know you just started (laughs) at phase 1A. What does phase 1B look like?
1: Yeah, we're still in discussion about that. And the phase 1B uh, trial design will be uh, informed by the phase 1A. But generally what we'll do is take a couple different tumor types. The beauty of 5-FU is that it's being used in different tumor types, so we're going to be looking initially at colorectal cancer for example where 5fu dominates we'll also be looking in gastric cancer and perhaps another cancer where 5fu does not typically has not been typically used like ovarian cancer where we have a lot of preclinical data suggesting it may work in that setting and so uh it'll be somewhere between 50 and 150 patients in a, a couple different disease settings because of this wide activity of 5fu and we'll be looking for this novel and new mechanism of action that we're inducing with CB 6168 and see how it plays out in uh, these different tumor types.
0: Well, it's a relatively long road, but fortunately, you're working with a companion drug that is very, very, very well known. You are the companion to that drug, if you will. And you're focusing there on, on the, the approval in the U.K. market. How do you go with an approval from the U.K. market How do you go to the U.S., the EU, Japan, and all the other countries in the world? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so initially we'll be working within the U.K., uh, and by the time we get to the Phase 1B, we may choose to expand into Europe or the United States, and at that point we will uh, submit regulatory documentation and get approval in those uh, different jurisdictions. Uh, But because the MHRA and the FDA work so closely together, that Uh, This is a very typical approach by any pharmaceutical company uh, doing clinical trials internationally. So that's seamless. The one thing I did want to say is it is a major advantage that we're working in combination with 5-FU, but the thing that's so critical to understand about CV6168 is that we're not making 5-FU better. 5-FU is actually driving this new pathway that CV6168 is accessing for the first time. And so, it's a really interesting approach to perhaps accelerating uh, the adoption of uh, this approach, cb 6168 in combination with 5-FU across multiple different cancer types, because clinicians are very familiar with 5-FU, it is one of their pillars, it's one of the pillars of oncology, it's, it's their go-to for many disease types. So uh, one of our key um, scientific advisors, Dr. Ruth Plummer out of Newcastle, after looking at our clinical data, she stopped me and said, okay, Bob, that's enough. So you're telling me we're never gonna use 5-FU again without CV6168. And I said, yeah, that's the idea.
0: That's a good strategy, got it. (laughs) Got it. We just made a cornerstone better. Why would we go back?
1: <laughs> yeah, and so five, if you used use to, you know, to treat, and I'm going to try to use a pretty conservative number, greater than six million patients a year. It's probably much more than that. So the opportunity here is by understanding a drug that's been used for 65 years, altering its mechanism, but using that as a pathway to access a new therapeutic approach. Uh, we may very well be addressing a very large unmet need in large patient populations across different cancer types. And when I speak to clinical oncologists, that's a natural for them. That is not a hard sell. And so uh, this does represent a very interesting opportunity. Of course, we have to do the trial and we have to see if this hypothesis works, but that's why we're doing what we're doing. Now,
0: uh, I think what's also interesting is the fact that it's a pill. It's not another infusion. You're not Combining any of that, easy manufacturing, easy to take, easy to distribute—you can't overlook that.
1: No, that's that was certainly part of uh, our approach when we were designing this uh, drug. It's a small molecule, as you said. It is the manufacturing is uh, very straightforward and can be done at scale. And so the hope is that if we do see signals early in a few different cancer types that we'll, we will, our partners will expand into many cancer types all at once uh, and really test the, the concept of this working just like 5-FU does across many major cancer types and think colorectal cancer, gastric cancer, breast cancer, lung cancer. All of those diseases at some point in time, many of those patients will receive a drug, either 5-FU or a drug uh, like 5-FU um, in the course of their treatment,
0: what's also fascinating to me is you keep talking about getting this pill, getting this treatment CV six one six eight, good old one six eight. I've got it in, in my brain here now. Um, you keep saying you you wanted to get it everywhere in the world. Frankly, the unspoken uh, subtext of many people I speak to is they're like we want to get it in the U.S. market, which pays pays a lot of money we want to get it in the eu pays a lot of money. You keep talking about getting it to the world what are you thinking there
1: well I think it's it's a strategy that is uh, it's not absolutely unique but it certainly has an advantage that because we're addressing such a large market uh that the pricing on this it won't be determined by myself but it certainly opens up the opportunity for uh different pricing structure in different parts of the world, because we're not treating uh, just 20,000 patients with a highly targeted drug. Now, those highly targeted drugs for those 20,000 patients that uh, it's applicable to, that's the most important drug in the world. And I mean, no disrespect to that. But this is a strategy in in which, uh, first of all, we are looking to the US, absolutely. But The United Kingdom, for example, that has the National Health Service in the U.K., this is what we perceive to be NHS compatible, that the pricing can be such that it can come right into the U.K. There will be millions of patients in the U.K. that potentially could benefit from this. And so there is the opportunity, based off of this very broad market opportunity, to uh, expand into different jurisdictions uh, rapidly. And not have to wait for 20 years or patent life to expire, you know. That comes back to the, our original statement about the incidence of cancer increasing, and in, in addition to precision medicine and targeted therapy and immunotherapy and immune-based therapies, this is a companion to those uh, that may have very broad application uh, in in different. Disease types and indeed different parts of the world.
0: Well, Dr. Ladner, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck to you, and I hope you'll come back and see us again.
1: Thank you very much, Moira. It's always a pleasure.
0: Dr. Robert Ladner is the founder and CEO of CV6 Therapeutics in Belfast, Northern Ireland. More information is available at cv6t.com. That's CV the number six T CV6T. Dot com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotechnation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For biotechnation, I'm Moira Gunn.